Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's my fourth time seeing that video in four consecutive days. I am still fired up every time I watch it. Welcome in everyone to our pregame show on day number four, semifinal Saturday at the 2023 ITA Fall National Championships. Alex Gruskin here. What we want to do over the next 20 minutes or so is recap how we got to this point of the event. Of course, for all of you college tennis fans tuning in, a reminder, these ITA Fall National Championships, they're one of the three biggest events we have on the college tennis calendar. It starts of course with the ITA All-Americans which we were fortunate enough to broadcast to all of you fans last month of course now we have ITA Fall Nats then in May we have the culmination of it all the NCAA individual championships of course what is the purpose of the fall everyone's jockeying for positions in the rankings everyone's trying to reestablish their spot in the pecking order in the college tennis universe and certainly this week has gone a long way in helping all of us college tennis fans try to forecast what we're going to watch unfold during the team dual match season in the spring. That said, before we start to turn our attention to all of that team action, again, we have another individual championship weekend for all of us to enjoy. And over the next two days here at Cracked Rackets, from first ball to last, you'll see it all. Semifinals action in both singles and doubles today. Of course, championship Sunday action tomorrow. A thank you, as always. To the coach, Mark Bay, who's going to be our broadcaster steering the ship to help all of you monitor everything as it unfolds. Of course, that said, again, before we get to any actual tennis here today, let's set the scene. Let's talk about how all of our semifinalists reached this point of the event. Who's impressed the most? What are the things you need to watch for in today's matches? Again, I want to run you through each of the draws we have remaining. Then I want to play an interview we actually actually conducted during yesterday's broadcast. We were so fortunate to be joined by ITA CEO Tim Russell, who discussed with us what the future of college tennis looks like, how next fall's environment is going to look, why college tennis fans should actually feel a degree of comfort, even with the figurative changes happening right now in the college tennis universe. Of course, then we just talk about the future of the sport as well, and there is no one who can better forecast what the future of college tennis looks like then ITA CEO Tim Russell. So we wanted to replay that interview for all of you listeners today before, again, we get to the start of today's action. With that said, before we hear from Tim, again, let's break down the draws. Let's break down the matches we have for all of you college tennis fans today. Let's start with the women's singles draw, maybe the most appetizing matchup we have across all four 
of our draws is that semifinal you see on the bottom of your screen. It's two versus three. Obi Kajuru, the Oklahoma State junior, taking on UNC sophomore Reese Brantmeyer. Let's start on the Brantmeyer side of things. I think everyone in the college tennis universe has been waiting for this sort of moment from the superstar sophomore. Look, she was one of the most highly touted recruits in her class, and certainly by the NCAA championship last year, she was playing number one singles for the national championship winning Tar Heels. Her and Elizabeth Scotty ultimate reaching, excuse me, the NCAA doubles final as well. But we hadn't had that breakthrough national singles result from Brant Meyer yet. We didn't get to see her last fall, a disappointing NCAA singles performance, certainly by her standards, but she's come out swinging here in the falls this season. And that comes off a summer that, of course, saw her win her first pro circuit title in singles success on the doubles court on the pro circuit as well. Brantmeyer, by the way, still alive in both singles and doubles. So is her opponent, Obi Kajuru, who yesterday from a set down grinds her way to a 6-4 third set victory over Hannah Villermuller. Obi, of course, was down a break 4-3 in that third set. Three straight games to close things and if you're talking breakout star of the last 11 months of this 2023 calendar year in college tennis, you could make a serious argument that no player has raised their profile more than Obi Kajuru. Simply put, she's a stud. She is that good of probably the single biggest reason of what was many, many reasons why that Iowa State program had a breakout 2023 team campaign. But of course, now she's rocking Oklahoma State cowgirl gear. And look, that success has translated right away. This is a fascinating matchup because both Obi and Brantmeyer have some pop from the baseline. Now, Brantmeyer's weapons, they're a little bit more slappy in the face when you're watching, as in it takes three seconds to realize, oh, yeah. That's a pro skill set, the way she hits the kick serve, the way she goes after the first forehand, the way she's constantly looking to push forward. But what's so fascinating when watching Obi play is she always finds a way. I'm not sure if her plan A, the way for her to make life easy for herself, will be as simple as it will be for Brantmeyer with that big serve, big plus one option. But plan B, plan C. Plan D, Plan E, all the different twists and turns a match will take. Obi is always prepared for them. She'll inject a degree of physicality into every point she plays as well. That is a fascinating, fascinating, fascinating semifinal. It's the one I'm going to spend probably the most time on in this preview, but it's two versus three. They've held seeds. You see by the world tennis number, Reese Brantmeyer, ever so slightly favored, but Buckle the seatbelts, folks. That one's got two hours written all over it. Of course, top half semifinal. Look, it's going to be equally entertaining. You've got the breakout star of the 2023 fall, USC sophomore Emma Charney. Yes, she was very good in the middle of the lineup for USC last year, but certainly did not expect to see this sort of a national breakthrough result. And to see the physicality of Charney just wear down Celia Belmore, the big hitting Vanderbilt junior yesterday. We talked to Charney after her match. She's been working on just injecting a little bit more pace into everything she does from the baseline. Again, the speed is there. 
The fluidity is there. The fight is always there for Emma Charnian. Look, she's the one Californian still alive in what is ultimately a West Coast event at the Barnes Tennis Center. It's just felt like these San Diego conditions have brought out the best in Charney's game. But she's got an ultimate test, arguably your most successful player of the fall across either the men's or women's game. I mean, only one player made semifinals and singles of both All-Americans and ITA fall nets. It wasn't your preseason's number one, folks. It wasn't Spaziri. It wasn't Crawley. No, it was the player you see on your screen now, Ayana Ackley of South Carolina, into another national semifinal to start her season. Two and three over Annika Yarlagata yesterday did such a good job of being the aggressor, of playing for strike. And look, again, it takes two seconds. The way the ball comes off the strings of Ayana Ackley's racket explosive, explosive stuff. But of course, the big thing for Ackley right now, she's just moving extraordinarily well. And look, if she has time to get into her playbook, to get into her weapons, you're just not beating her. And I do wonder in this matchup, as again, we look at Ayanna Ackley versus Emma Charney, our top half semifinal, I do wonder, does Charney have enough juice on those ground strokes to make such a confident Ackley uncomfortable at all today. How is she going to go about doing that? I'm fascinated to hear what Coach Bay has to think on that matchup throughout the course of it. Again, that's semifinal number two, and these are your women's single semifinals. By the way, three of our top four seeds making the semi. Shout out to that world tennis number seeding. They got a lot of things right at this event. Ackley versus Charney, Kajuru versus Brantmeyer. Those matches coming up at the top of the hour here, 2 p.m. Eastern time, of course. Now let's get to the Ben singles action. Talk about that next generation. Again, finally, it feels like that COVID eligibility bubble is beginning to burst. And what I mean by that is you look at the players we have on our screen. All of them are post-pandemic college tennis era players. By that, I mean, they all started their careers in that initial 2020-2021 season or later. And dare I say some new faces here uh, to compete in this semifinal. Let's start with that top half, the battle of the Jacks. Of course, everyone expected Jack Pennington Jones to eventually do something like this. How could JPJ not? He's a former top 500 player on the ATP tour, was one of the most highly touted recruits in his class coming in last year as well. And I do have to say, if you're going to go back and watch anything from yesterday's broadcast, go watch our interview with JPJ. I have two and a half years left in this job at Crack Rackets, because I can guarantee I'm going to get a text May 31st, 2025, 2026, whatever the year is. Hey, Alex, it's Dalton. I've decided to hire Jack Pennington Jones moving forward because the guy just has answers. He's candid. He's honest. He's delightful to speak with. And he's playing outstanding tennis. You can just tell he is so much more comfortable in this college environment than he ever was during the course of what was still an ultimately successful freshman season, but not by his standards. And to see JPJ, who talked about rolling his ankle in the ITA regionals, just slowly and surely get slowly, but surely, excuse me, get better and better in every match he plays. Again, physicality, weaponry, the ability to go after the serve a little bit as well. JPJ has got some serious game, but 
I actually don't think he's got the biggest weapon on the court. I think that belongs to redshirt sophomore Jack Anthrop, who has just had a breakout six months between his pro circuit summer and ultimately what he has done now here in the fall. Anthrop reaching his first national semifinal, the redshirt sophomore, fighting off set points yesterday to ultimately secure a 6-2-7-6 victory over USF's Elvin Tudorica and I feel like I say this every time we talk Anthrop, but if you're an Ohio State Buckeye fan, there are times if, you know, you're just waking up or eyes are a little bit fuzzy at the beginning of a match, you look and you watch Jack Anthrop hit a forehand and you say, wait, is that J.J. Wolf on the far side of the net? I mean, just Anthrop's weapons are laughably excellent. And the thing that's stood out to me most throughout the course of this week is how effortless that power is. I swear to God, watching Anthrop hit the forehand, watching him hit his serve, I still think he's swinging at only 65, 70% of the potential racket speed he would be able to generate because he's afraid. Again, you don't want to, afraid in the best sense of like, hey, I got all this firepower. I'm still trying to maneuver when exactly to use it, what precisely to do with it. Anthrop's just a player you circle as a potential breakout star of this season. Already, again, the breakout result, two and six here, reaching the national semifinal. The Battle of the Jacks, our top half semifinal, JPJ versus Anthrop. Hmm. 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 I don't make predictions anymore. I'm out of the prediction business, but I don't know, man. This match is fascinating. Again, the all-around nature, I do think JPJ's game is a bit more complete at this point than Anthrop. But again, when I watch Anthrop play, I just watch someone where I feel like you're just scratching the surface of what he's potentially capable of. So again, Here's the seatbelt. You might hear that click on my end of things. That's me buckling in, folks. That's going to be a delightful match starting at the top of the hour. And then, of course, another two versus three battle. Micah Braswell, J.J. Tracy, two seniors we have gotten to know so well over their three and a half now years of competition in college tennis. And let's start with Tracy, because I do not think he played his best tennis by any stretch of the imagination yesterday. The forehand was just a little off. The backhand was sitting up a little bit more than he liked. He faced multiple, multiple break points in multiple games throughout the course of the third set. And yet, if you've watched J.J. Tracy, if you know anything about his college tennis story, he's a fighter. He just finds ways. One of the quicker players I've ever seen in my time covering this sport just did just enough to end the run of rising Cornell Jr. star Redu pop away. Tracy ultimately 6-4-5-7-7-5. I believe he broke at love in that 6-5 final game of the match after facing, again, break points in each of his prior two surface games. Tracy knocked out in doubles with Robert Cash yesterday as well. Why do I mention that tidbit? Well, he was the defending champ and... You know, hell hath no fury like a scorned Buckeye. I just could see a world where Tracy, he's in, he's just fired up. Like There's just a little extra chutzpah behind everything he does today. A little extra juice. I do think we're going to see him play better tennis today. But look, it's going to be hard to find a rhythm as he's going to be facing down the barrel of firepower provided by Micah Braswell. And 
oh my goodness. I understand his teammate, Elliot Spaziri, the preseason number one, won the ITA All-Americans, but I'm not sure anyone's playing better right now in the country than Micah Braswell. And to see the senior just finally healthy, the ankles fine, the, the shoulders, the elbows, the hips, just all these different ailments during his sophomore and junior seasons. Thankfully, the tennis gods have finally blessed him with the health he deserves. And I mean, yesterday, it just wasn't in doubt. Two and three over Pedro Vivez was dictating in all of the biggest moments of the match. Felt like every deuce point went his way. And there were a wave of deuce points in that first set. Don't let that 6-2 scoreline fool you into thinking Micah Braswell wasn't pushed yesterday. But again, the firepower is effortless. He seems to be moving so well. And, you know, again, for Braswell... It's about laying claim. Hey, I want to play number one, number two in my lineup this year, looking at a Texas team that has everyone on a roster you would just dream about having. Spaziri, two Braswells, two Baileys, with, of course, freshman Jills no Bailey coming in a two-time Junior Slam finalist. You throw in veterans like Siam Waldeep, Cleve Harper as well. And that's as strong as the seven is, again, we've ever covered here at Crack Rackets on the men's side. And Braswell doing his job again, two and three winner over Pedro Vivez. Now, I think he has the firepower advantage uh, over Mike, uh, JJ Tracy, excuse me, in this semifinal battle. Uh, again, it's going to be a fun one. That serve, that kick serve wide for JJ Tracy, which sets up the first forehand so effectively. I think the pace of Braswell might neutralize that play today. That said, again, Tracy's going to slice. He's going to do a really good job of the thing you have to do most, which is stretch Micah Braswell into the outer thirds and don't let him play anything at his hip because when he gets a ball in the strike zone, again, Braswell can overwhelm you with his firepower and Tracy's ability to prevent Braswell from finding that strike zone, finding that hip pocket contact point. That's what I'm looking forward to most, seeing how Tracy continues to push Braswell off the back foot. But I was talking to my little brother. I was talking to my cousin, my brain trust of uh, college tennis, I suppose, uh, critics. And they said three sets, Alex. Uh, you know, they were assessing this match. They said this is the one they are locked into because, again, two scrappers, two guys ready to have that breakout final season establish themselves at the top of the ITA rankings. And hopefully, hopefully clinch the uh, the. ATP accelerator wild cards that come along with it, because of course now top ranked college players offered wild cards into pro events and opportunities that they may not otherwise have. So again, these matches matter. There's heightened importance. It's fantastic set of semifinals coming up at the top of the hour. Charney Ackley, Brantmeyer OB, JPJ versus Anthrop, Braswell versus Tracy. That is the start of our day. Of course, after that, we'll have our double semifinals and, I won't lie. I'm going to go through these a little bit more quickly. Still, of course, have to give shout outs to our remaining teams. Let's start with our women's double semifinals. Again, look at how the seeds have performed here in the draw. Three of our top four still alive, and it's an all-seeded semifinal. NCAA double finalist Elizabeth Scotty, Reese Brantmeyer taking on 2023 ITA All-American champions from Oklahoma, Donna Guzman versus Alina Shisherbina. And I mean, that Shisherbina Guzman has had the best fall of any doubles team, period. End of conversation, period. That is just, that's a doubles team for the Sooners moving forward. Again, that's a fascinating battle. And then 
How about Obi and Komar? Again, collectively, as many wins combined as any set of teammates, maybe this side of Hamner and Ackley in the country. They've played outstanding doubles all week long, but they're taking on the reigning champs. They're taking on a doubles team that I swear could walk into the WTA top 25 as a pairing right now. It's Pepperdine's Janice Chen, Savannah Brodus. This is a... Of all the draws we have left, by pedigree, by quality of team, whatever... Pound for pound, this is our most loaded draw remaining. And obviously, it's all seed, so that makes sense. But just the pedigree of each of these pairings, jaws on the floor. That's an awesome set of semifinals. Of course, we'll have coverage of all of it for you here at Crack Rackets. And then over on the men's side, this is our funkiest of the draws. Things got a little crazy last night. In men's doubles, we'll show you those results now as, again, we wrap up our preview here. You look at our men's doubles semifinalists. Again, no cash and trace. They got knocked out last night by an exceptional doubles team, a doubles team that somehow played number two in their lineup last year. But Pedro Vivez, Seb Gorsny, Seb Gorsny, a former junior Wimbledon doubles champion. Simply put, if you don't have those two in your NCAA doubles contenders to win the title, in May, you're not doing it right. They're going to take on the Val Scott Van Skalwicks, excuse me, of Old Dominion. I mean, talk about a run for the brothers. And obviously, again, I'm jealous. I have two brothers. There'd be nothing more enjoyable than making a significant national semifinal run. But to beat the Pepperdine duo of Winter and Holmberg the way they did yesterday, again, to reach a national semifinal, what a moment for that Old Dominion program. What a moment for the brothers who, again, will take on TCU's Vivez and Gorsny. And then, again, it's funky. We've got Buchleheim, Zarin taking on Barris and Sheldon. A re- uh, you know, Barris and Sheldon are a top 10 preseason team. Ozan Barris, a former junior U.S. Open doubles champion. He's got all the pedigree in the world. And how fascinating is that? We have two former junior double slam champions remaining in the draw. But look, the seeds are the favorites by pedigree. Again, this is perhaps more than any other draw, the thing that has gotten funkiest over the course of the weekend. It's early in the season. We're building continuity. We're still trying to find what pairings are the pairings that stand out this early in the year. Plenty of times to build that doubles continuity throughout the course of the season coming. But folks, there it is. Again, all of your semifinals coming up here today. We'll have coverage first ball to last on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel. With all of that said, again, before we get to the start of play at the top of the hour, we have an update on the State of the Union happening in all things college tennis. The only man who could possibly give that address joins us next is ITA CEO Tim Russell. Then, of course, we're going to get our camera set, make sure we are ready to rock and roll on the other end of that break. It will be the coach, Mark Bay, steering you through semifinal Saturday. All of that is to say, folks, don't go anywhere. We've got a jam-packed day of tennis for all of you coming up on our Crack Rackets YouTube channel for everyone who contributes to this broadcast. The ITA team, our super producer, Daniel Westoff, CEO Dalton Thieneman, and of course, to all of you tuning in at home, I'm your host, Alex Gruskin. You are watching our Crack Rackets coverage of the 2023 ITA Fall National Championships. Up next, my conversation with ITA CEO, Tim Russell. 
All right, ladies and gentlemen, we are back a little bit sooner than we thought with commentary, and it's for the best possible reason, as joining our broadcast now is a man responsible for so much of what we get to enjoy throughout the course of every college season, a man who has dedicated so much of his life to our beloved sport. It's ITA CEO Tim Russell joining our broadcast. Tim, welcome back to another Cracked Racket stream. How are you feeling as we come to the close of another fantastic fall in the college tennis universe? Uh, thank you, Alex. Always a joy. Uh, and I'm here in San Diego, and uh, we've got kind of Chamber of Commerce weather, <laughs> and we've got the best of the best uh, competing for the ITA National Fall Championship. So this is what I live for. I come to work every day so we can culminate a, a fall at an event like this. So great to be with you. And it's always a pleasure. And let's just start with that facility. I know you guys have partnered with the Barnes Tennis Center, not just for this event, but multiple events over the years. Talk to me about what it means for college tennis to have a home like this in San Diego. Yeah, first of all, it's spectacular. Uh, we are incredibly grateful to Ryan Redondo, who's the uh, CEO of, of here uh, of the Barnes Tennis Center, Youth Tennis San Diego. I feel like this is kind of one of my many second homes because long before I even took this job, I was out here when I was chairing the USTA's junior competition committee when the uh, girls' 16s and 18s nationals were here. So uh, this is a place that I really, really love coming back to. And it's just perfect for uh, almost any tennis championship. But for the ITA, we not only have great courts, got a stadium court, we've got great weather, and they're just fantastic uh, hosts. So, so it's a great joy to be here. It's always 70 degrees with just the right <laughs> amount of breeze on court. So you're just like, yeah, it's, it's ideal conditions for tennis. And certainly we have seen some yeah. stunning tennis throughout the course of the week. Now, obviously, there's a lot going on in the college tennis world. And, you know, I'm still reserving the right to bring you back in December on the podcast for our typical end of year State of the Union address uh, for all things from you. But obviously, this for college tennis fans, many are familiar. It's the last fall schedule that we are going to be familiar with. Obviously, there are some changes on the horizon. I'm curious how you, the ITA, are both preparing for those changes while, of course, ensuring we've gotten to enjoy the fall that we have. So I'm going to reframe your statement just a little, and I'm always hesitant to do that. No, because... I wouldn't have it any other way. It's good to have you back. I've missed you. Well, thank you, because actually people are going to recognize most of the fall because when the NCAA Tennis Committee was working on this proposal, and we worked closely with not only the NCAA Tennis Committee, but their their staff all the way up through uh, Joni Comstock, who's the Senior Vice President for Championships. One of the starting principles was that college tennis and the ITA already had a well-established fall. So instead of blowing it all up, that was the starting point. So next fall, we'll start with the All-American Championships. We will still have our regional championships. And after that is where things will get tweaked a little bit because there will be uh, a third major weekend where we not only have uh, the super regionals is what some people are calling them. And then we're also gonna have the return of an event that we used to have when we were at Malibu with Oracle. So there will be basically a conference masters tournament and that will uh, hopefully be here at the uh, Barnes Center at this same week. So the first weekend in November, and then the culmination will be what's really new, which is the D1 
football uh, national championships for the NCAA, which will happen uh, in about two weeks, so right before Thanksgiving. So everything will culminate with a Division One NCAA individual singles and doubles, with the goal being to separate the season so they're clearly defined where the fall is individual and the spring is team. Yeah, no, and I'm going to agree with your reframing. It may be different <laughs> titles, but very similar events. It's the same rubric, outline of a schedule heading into next fall. And again, we'll have plenty of time to parse through what those championships, what it's all going to formally look like. I do want to ask you about just the buzz that's been generated right now surrounding college tennis. And we do our part to try and generate that buzz here at Crack Rackets, but what Ben Shelton is doing speaks for itself, that both he, Emma Navarro, Peyton Stearns, Diana Schneider, they've all played college tennis matches in the last 18 months. They're all top 60 players in the world. On top of that, at least half of the last five men's doubles slam winning teams have featured at least one college tennis player on those teams. And so, look, now there are just numbers. There are statistics to back what you and I have always said about this sport. I'm curious if you feel, and it's it's more of a feeling than I suppose a, a formal question, but have you felt that buzz? Do you feel there, that energy there, there, there is definitely a buzz. And as you always do, you've got multi facets to your question. So first of all, there is a buzz. Second of all, you and Crack Rackets actually helped create the buzz. It's one of the reasons the ICA is so excited about our evolving partnership. I think people should just recognize that what you did, for example, at the All-American, the numbers from last year to this year are just immense. We've now together established, here's where you will go to see a big ITA championship, but also with all your work with the other big conferences and the like and i know that your uh your your reach is is growing every day i'm on phones with whether it's the ncaa or the usta so even though that was just the prelude to your question i think it's really critical that people recognize that there really is intention on, on how we're all trying to create this this place you not only have the buzz but you actually are so knowledgeable it's one of the reasons that i think people are really enjoying this now to the second half of your question, I think if you went to the US Open where I spent 12 days, the buzz was palpable about college tennis. And I can tell you over the last couple of years it started, whether it's Patrick McEnroe and Brad Gilbert on the call, uh, people are talking about college tennis. And, and to expand even on your numbers, because I think I'm a numbers guy, you're a numbers guy, I think in the main draws, forget about qualities, I think the main draws had 20 men in a 128 draw that had played college tennis and, and there were seven women and you talked about the doubles but you gave the spiel that was part of my address at the ITA leadership banquet it was amazing that one year after Ben and Peyton got our ITA national players of the year that they had the runs they did at the USO, but one year after winning ITA National Players of the Year. So the buzz is palpable. For sure, there's a buzz. No, I appreciate your kind words. As you and I both know, it's all Daniel Westoff. He's really the one <laughs> making everything possible. So all credit to him, of course, but appreciate you saying that. And yeah, I'll even add the additional numbers as always. Right now, there are 16 ATP Top 100 players with college tennis ties, 38 ATP Top 100 doubles players 
with yeah. college tennis ties. By the way, the number's growing on the women's side as well. Seven top 100 singles players, three of them, Navarro, Stearns, Schneider, having all played in the last 18 months. 16 top 100 women's doubles players. Those stats established how important, we've talked about this briefly, but how important of a piece do you think the accelerator program will be in helping to grow those numbers in the future? And for our listeners who are lot, uh, less aware of that, will you give them some context about the work that went into establishing this accelerator program? What do you believe it can do for the sport moving forward? Yeah, for sure. Thanks. Um, one, there's a number of us, and I count myself among a group that started with people like David Benjamin, my predecessor, who knows the history of the years back in the 70s and the 80s, and then, you know, the transition at open tennis. So I think we're returning to kind of another great golden era of the importance of college tennis. The other thing I want to say, again, you always have maybe three parts to your question. I actually believe that people are realizing on the women's side that this is actually going to become a pathway as well. And you keep mentioning, you know, Diana and, and Emma and Peyton. But, you know, the fact is, is that the average age of professional players is getting older and the average time that it takes from when you turn 20 to when you might be get uh, into top 100 gives you the window to go to college. So I think you're not only going to see it continuing on the men's side, but you're going to see that more people like Emma and Peyton are realizing that this is a good pathway. Now, so the next part of your question, uh, what is critical when organizations are working together is the people. So for example, we not only have great new partners at the USTA who really care about college tennis and are investing in college tennis, but the leadership at the ATP and the WTA recognize this as well. And so while we're really happy to be spokespeople for these accelerator programs, I just have to give all the shout outs to the leadership at the ATP and the WTA because they have recognized this and the last part of your question was how critical I think it's going to be. And I think it's going to be huge because for many years, and this isn't going to change, but people have had to figure out what is my path to get to the top 100. College players were playing a certain amount of futures and a certain amount of college. Right now, a college man, uh, a men's player on the tour recognizes that if you get to uh, top 20 in the ITA rankings, you're going to be part of this accelerator program. So whether it was the All-American Championship where we watched uh, Elliot, Elliot Ed, yeah. and Murphy Cassone, you know, or whether we uh, look at a bunch of other players, you know, one of the things that I keep commenting on, and I saw it again here, and I, I remember talking to you about it, it's just the great parody of the game. I just came from watching a, a three-hour match uh, with J.J. Tracy from Ohio State and a terrific player from, from Cornell. So we've got the Ivy, we've got Ohio State. And then I went to watch a consolation backdraw match where I was just astonished at the level of, of these two players, you know. And so with everybody fighting for those accelerator spots, I think it, it is a great motivation uh, for those who aspire to be pro players. Well, this is why we're a great duo, because now I get to build off of your points. And <laughs> to what you're saying, you know, Radu Popaway, that aforementioned Cornell player just knocked out by J.J. Tracy, he won three pro circuit events this summer on the ITF pro circuit. He gets knocked out in the quarterfinals here 
on our screen right now is Columbia sophomore Michael Zhang, another Ivy League player who, oh, by the way, made an ATP Challenger final this summer. <laughs> and he is now in the consolation of this event. And then just the piece de resistance, Connie Ma on our screen right now with match point. She's the 2022 NCAA singles finalist. And again, this is a consolation match. So I could not agree with you more. The depth, the talent has never been better. And so... You know, again, I don't want to take up too much of your time. I do want you to be able to enjoy the tennis here in San Diego. I think the question on everyone's mind, what's next as we look towards 2024 and move towards the future, Tim? What are your priorities, your focuses in the near future? Well, thanks for that, because I think leaders are always trying to think about the future. You know, I like to say that great leaders have a vision, but also are great managers. So we are attending to the daily tasks that are before us. You also referenced it earlier. We didn't get into it, but our staff under the leadership of Dave Mullins and Corey Brooks continue to work with the NCAA staff and tennis committee on making sure that we've got the refinements done to all of those selection and seeding into those fall events. So that is a big, big deal. The ITA continues to be blessed with a great board of directors. And uh, we continue to be thinking about how does a sport like tennis really not only exist, but thrive in the environment that is current for intercollegiate athletics that are basically driven by football, basketball, money, media rights. So, you know, our vision statement, Alex, talks about creating one of the most vibrant and sustainable college sports. So trying to work with uh, conferences and ADs about positioning the ITA and college tennis, that's one of the reasons you see our partnerships with the USTA, the ITF, the ATP, the WTA, because there could be some challenging times ahead for Olympic sports. And we're trying, I think, as great leaders do to get ahead of the, the curve. The other couple of big initiatives that we're working on include some really interesting ones that I think fans of the game will find fascinating. We're doing an RFP and a study on electronic line calling for for college tennis and uh, again Corey Brooks does a great job we now have eight international companies talking to the ITA about creating not only effective but affordable uh, tools we're always interested in things like like sportsmanship and and the like you know we're here to serve all of uh, college tennis and, and that's all the divisions and the other kind of thing we have to keep reminding people is while we are the governing body, we're also a coaches association. So we continue to expand our coach education uh, programs. We also keep trying to uh, attend to things like rules, rankings, awards. I'm not sure everybody understands the complete breadth and depth of what the ITA does. But uh, the fact is, it's an exciting time to be a leader in college athletics. And we appreciate working with you as all of us want to keep advancing our sport. Absolutely. You mentioned, again, appreciation of the history, I know, of college tennis is something you have maybe more than anyone else. And you were so kind to invite our Crack Rackets team to the ITA Hall of Fame ceremony this past spring, something I do want to ask you about. But I have to follow up. And Westoff, if you can bring the graphic on our screen now, we've talked about trying to get more people involved in college tennis, particularly getting them to sign up. Come be an official. Come take part in all things happening in the college tennis world. And We'll put that QR code now on our screen so people can scan it, be directed to wearecollegetennis.com slash officials to learn more. But I got to follow up and ask, 
talk to me about that electronic line calling uh, demo that you guys are working with, because that is something I had heard about, and I'm fascinated. All right, just uh, one thing before I answer. That. Always. Thanks, thanks for putting up the uh, uh, officials graphic. You do need to know one of the coolest new additions that we've uh, made to our staff is hiring Anthony Montero to be our director of officiating. Yes. Uh, but also you asked about initiatives. Uh, I, I, I want to thank you and Crack Records for also promoting our initiative with the world tennis number. I, I would be remiss without mentioning that. Uh, but I also want to now answer the real question you asked, which is about electronic line calling. I think fans of college tennis have watched pro tennis, right? And for the last number of years, a company called Hawkeye has done an incredible job. So uh, I'll try to make this as succinct as possible. The ITF, the governing body of global tennis, is working on trying to codify levels of accuracy for electronic line calling. They're gonna have a gold standard, a silver standard, a bronze standard. So something like three millimeters with 99% accuracy, I believe might be the definition of, of, a, of a gold standard. It might be four or five millimeters, not centimeters, millimeters at 98% could be you know, a silver. You get the idea. So we have been in touch with eight companies who have actually submitted their initial proposals to us. And we are just getting ready to move to the, uh, to the demo uh, stages. And a number of our current partners are the kind of people who are working on this, but also some other companies around the world. And they all have a little bit different approach to it. Some people are using phones on the back. Some are using permanent installations. Some are using sensors. Uh, so it's a fascinating time for us, but we're trying to do it in parallel with both the ITF, but also the ATP is working on uh, this as well. So we're incredibly grateful for our officials and people shouldn't think that these will get rid of officials you know, completely. But the reality is if you look at our sport, for example, there are uh, certain matches in the D3 world that might not even have an official, right? You know, so when people watch these matches, they'll see all of these matches chaired and the sportsmanship has been excellent here. But I think over time, knowing that we have electronic line calling like the pros is a really exciting possibility. Yeah, I will say you mentioned Anthony Montero, the head of offici uh, officials, head official uh, who you guys recently head of officiating. That's the term I was looking for who you recently hired. I love him. One of my favorite people in the world. And I'm always immensely grateful because I always come to him national indoors time. And I go, Hey, can I, can I do five minutes with the umpires just to warm everyone up and make sure my <laughs> jokes are good this morning. And he always goes, shoot for it, Alec, you know what, do what you gotta do. And so a thank you to Anthony again, who is truly the glorified, dare I say, guidance counselor of the ITA for all <laughs> coaches and everyone across the universe. But my final question for you, I care about the history. You care about the history. How do we preserve that college tennis history? I think it's through the ITA Hall of Fame. Can you talk to me a little bit about that Hall of Fame and what you guys have done? Because I know that has been a particular passion of yours. It is. Thanks for recognizing it. And some of the things that people who follow us should recognize is we actually have a new staff member, Jenna Kane, who has been hired to promote our history. And those of you who follow us on social, that could be you know, on our YouTube channel or, or Instagram, you know, our ex formerly known as Twitter should also be seeing 
some new ITA Hall of Fame social media as well. And the kind of stuff that Jenna did both for Tulsa, Kerry, and also here in San Diego was starting to promote past Hall of Famers who did well at these tournaments. So one of my personal goals has always been not only to preserve the history, but also to get our current students and coaches interested in the history. So some of the early posts that Jenna has done have actually uh, had somewhere between 700 and 1,000 people view, which I think is huge. And the other thing I will reference is that my predecessor, David Benjamin, who definitely knows the history better than I do, <laughs> is actually working with us on an oral history project of the ITA and college tennis, which will evolve into a series of both short and longer videos whether it turns into a book, I don't know. But we now have, through our partnership with the College of William and Mary on the women's side and the University of Georgia on the men's side, a lot of people committed to not only having the halls of fame, but to promote the history. Yeah, no, I love to hear that. And I tell Westoff and Alton this all the time. 2030, I'm taking my sabbatical to write my college tennis book. I'm like, we, you go. we got a little, I got a seven year runway and then I think I'm going to be ready to do it. But well, I think uh, it's really yeah. important because we have a rich history. Yes. And we all get excited about not only the current season, but the next match. But I think we have to keep promoting the history of the game. There's 30 hours of podcasts recorded of USC UVA players talking about their rivalry from 08 to 2017 that someday is going to see the light of day. And again, it's projects like that. And thing I know all the different things you guys are pursuing at the ITA. So, that so let me give you just one, one please. very brief or just to tweak people's interest. No, so this Roy, is what we call a teaser in our business, right? This so, is what we so need. There you go. So Roy Barth, who was put into our Hall of Fame, not at the most recent ceremony, but before, he told a story at his induction about playing in the Pacific Coast Doubles, which is an event that still goes on, of course. where he played two five-set doubles matches in one day. This was before no ad scoring, and he was very proud that he and his partner ended up beating uh, Stan Smith and Bob Lutz but we have some players who get really tired playing a couple of, of three-set matches. But the world has changed. Two five-set doubles matches, regular scoring back in the 60s, 70s. So the world has changed, but there's a lot of ex exciting stories to tell. That's I'm all in. Like You have my attention. I want to <laughs> learn more about this right away. And you're absolutely right. We look forward to telling those stories. And certainly we look forward to watching the story of this ITA Fall National Championship unfold. We enjoy it. Well, I look forward to watching the story of this season unfold as well. And it is always a pleasure to be joined by ITA CEO Tim Russell to hear your commentary, to hear your updates on all things happening in the tennis world. Again, I'm going to reserve the right, like all good prosecutors, to bring you back here so we can talk through State of the Union 2023-24 at the end of the season. But sincerely, Tim, on behalf of myself, Dalton, we can't thank you and the ITA team enough for uh, in allowing our Crack Records team to shine a spotlight on everything that's happening. We appreciate all of your hard work. And as you mentioned, it's not just you, Cody, Corey, Joe, Zach, Josh. I can I could list them all if I needed to, because I know it is yep. truly a it, team it, effort. It is a team. Hashtag Team ITA. Yeah, exactly. And uh, with on that note, ITA CEO Tim Russell, thank you for joining us. Thank uh, you. Appreciate your company. Thank you.